There we go. We're live. Yay. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our event about postpartum baby blues and dealing with seasonal depression. Um, my name is Mia, and I'm one of the outreach coordinators with the Pacific Islander Health Board. And I'm joined today by Mary with open arms, and I'll let Mary introduce herself. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Mary, and I am a lactation peer counselor at Open Arms, and I serve um, the Pacific Islander community. So I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and co-host tonight, which is really yeah. nice. And we have this amazing panel, which I'm going to let them introduce themselves um, with their name and what they do. And then our fun question, what is your favorite self-care technique? <laughs> Um, so I guess I'll just go ahead and pick people one by one. That'll make it easiest. Um, so we'll start with Marquita, if you could. Hello, everyone. Good evening. My name is Marquita Strauss. I am the perinatal social worker and therapist intern at Rainier Valley Midwives. And my favorite self-care technique is travel pre-COVID. Um, and now it is just random dance parties in the living room with my girls. Yes. That's mine too. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I did get into playing just dance again. Um, nobody will play with me. <laughs> You're just so too good. Zoom and play just dance. <laughs> um, I'll have Sala go next. Hi, everybody. My name is Sala Afalaba. I am a uh, licensed mental health therapist. Um, and Jeez, you're gonna have to remind me of what the next question was. It was, oh, self-care. So I'm a runner. So I like to run as often as I can, usually after um, a long day of sessions and stuff. It's just my way of just kind of purging things. Um, and it, I feel like it's, it's like a physical purge that I kind of do. So I like to either run or walk on the treadmill as, as my self-care. Um, and lately, I find so much joy in tending to my plants. So I, that's self-care for me, trust me, in so many ways. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Plants are the best. <laughs> I also have plants. I have a little bit of an addiction. <laughs> Worth it. Um, Auntie Kwai, if you could go next. Aloha, awinala, good afternoon. Oh, Kaui Awai Koui Noa, Nohumai Au i Seattle, Washington, Kiki Okia Aina, O Moko Kiave. My name is Kaui Awai. I live here in Seattle. I'm originally from Hawaii Island, otherwise known as the Big Big Island. Um, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm freezing. So, um, self care. Whew. Being that I'm a licensed massage therapist, um, a Lomi Lomi practitioner, and um, Kanaka Maoli cultural practitioner, for me, self-care is receiving Lomi. Um, yeah. And Sala is a runner. I'd be like, work you out. Um, <laughs> no, but for me, receiving and giving Lomi, that's my form of self-care. Because for us, Lomi is, is about the physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional um, balance within ourselves. So, yeah, mahalo. 
Thank you, AP. That's amazing. <laughs> Gotta get massaged. <laughs> and then Myra, if you could go. Hi, my name is Myra Leon Guerrero. Um, I am, I live in Des Moines, Washington. I'm from Guam. Uh, Self-care. <laughs> I would like a massage. <laughs> I'm a mother of three. Honestly, I right now I don't have self-care that I can think about other than oh, cooking. I like to feed people. Um, I think it's all, it's in all of our cultures. I'm um, I'm Chamorro Hawaiian. I don't speak Hawaiian. I I understand Chamorro, but I think that um, you know, cooking through our food and giving it to people and um, feeding that's kind of my self-care so I like to cook and I like to make sure my family's well fed it kind of um, my comfort and yeah <laughs> beautiful thank you um actually Mary do you want to share your favorite self-care mm. My self-care technique is um, similar to Marquita's. I've taken to, well, I always like dancing, but lately, since we can't go out to dance, I've just been making some playlists and then just dancing in my living room with my kids. Sometimes they're not as into it as I am. <laughs> and then they don't want to dance with their mom. So. <laughs> but yeah, that's been my self-care, just getting my body moving and dancing again. Um, yeah, it's it's been very helpful. I did that earlier today. It's great. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you for all of our panelists joining us. I know it's a Friday night, but we're also here together on this really important subject of depression and talking about it within our communities. And I know it's been something that's been very taboo to a lot of us islanders. And it's time, I think, for me especially to kind of release that stigma and do some work around improving our mental health as a Pacific Islander community. So thank you for joining us. And anybody tuning in before we get started, if you have any questions for our panelists, just go ahead and type it into the Facebook Live and we'll try our best to get them answered. Um, but other than that, I guess Mary, if you would like to ask the first question. Yeah, um, so I guess what can, we, what can we do to lessen the stigma associated um, with mental health and encourage our communities to seek the care that they need. So I will throw that question to Sala. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mary. <laughs> I think I would say I, I would say that we should normalize it, you know, as, as much as we can, as often as we can. We're gonna talk about it and let's talk about it and let's talk, let's talk more stories and talk more mm -hmm. stories, right? Um, I think when we're thinking about, you know, bringing the cultural aspect into this, well, a lot of our history has been passed down to us through stories, right? So it, to make this stigma, and that's the biggest thing whenever it comes to mental health, right? Is there's a stigma there. It's, it's you know, instead of seeing schizophrenia, we see possession we see, you know, everything else. So it's, and then there's a stigma that comes with it. There's the cultural stigmas and then there's, you know, different, you know, ways that people want to be perceived or don't, maybe don't want to be perceived. So, you know, and I, I think the only way that we can kind of move forward or gain some sort of grounding or footing 
in our communities when it comes when it comes to mental health is let's normalize it let's talk about it let's keep talking stories let's keep having this conversation you know and i think the more that we do that it, it may it may be kind of like a bit you know different looks different for our generation now but maybe the gener my kids generation and your kids generation it's a little bit easier for them to seek these services right so i think maybe like i said talking about it let's normalize it it will definitely kind of help and not only that i think i want to add in there a lot of education on it you know let's teach our community let's do these workshops around mental health and mental illness and things like that so that we can let them know like hey this is what this is let's label it and and let's talk more about it but yeah yeah that's a great answer um would anyone like to add anything to that can you just repeat the question again yeah um so what can we do to lessen the stigma around mental health? And it's a two-part question and also encourage our community to seek the care that they need. So I agree with Sala and what she said, um, you know, being able to normalize it, uh, but not only out here in the mainland, but back home, you know, whatever island you may be from, you know, the problem is we're back home, we're more uh, culturally inclined, right, to hush it to let it be taboo whereas here in the mainland there's there are resources now like here like today um that is being shed shed light on so i feel like um even just as a whole community of pacific islanders um we need to be able to share this right to our friends our families out here and being able to find this resource and um, where we all get together and kind of show people that you, amidst us being scared, you know, because we obviously, that has to be at the back of your mind. It's so ingrained in us that it's kind of like taboo that we don't even speak about it, right? So for us to come forward and just kind of share with everybody across the islands that um, don't be scared, right? Let's um, make these resources. Look at this live. It's here. It's available. Um, we need to be able to make sure that we outsource it to everybody back home or or out here in the mainland and i think that's a wonderful thing that um people realize that it is there um and you can seek help there are other people just like you who are scared too but they can help you yeah creating that safe space to talk right. openly about what you may be feeling and then that might have a trickle down effect um with other members in the community or family members like oh yeah they're they're talking about this i've had that on my mind so you know it opens up the conversation yeah that's a great way to um to kind of lessen the stigma too around mental health <laughs> um and I guess like the second, the other question that's related to that is what is one thing that you all wish um, our communities would know about mental health? Like if you could freely and openly talk to our elders or anyone in the, you know, um, anyone in the communities, like what would you um, want them to know about mental health? 
I think I kind of wanted to echo what Sala was saying about stories and how sometimes when we sit at the feet of our elders and they tell us their experiences and oftentimes they don't realize that there was a term for something that they've went through. And so sometimes it's just that sharing of story to break down the stigma and it's really understanding some of those symptoms and what they mean and releasing some of the shame and the guilt that's around mental health and knowing that it it's not a weakness and that mm -hmm. it's not um, something for you to be blamed about but that just I think it's that exchanging of stories that can really allow for because it's often when you go through something it's not until you're going through that that you hear other stories from aunties or elders that like I also went through that and it's just that having that you're not alone. That would be the biggest thing. And I think talking more about mental health helps shed the light that you're not alone and that some of our own family members have gone through the same experiences, but there's now a term or a word for it now. Absolutely. I, um, speaking of terms and words, I was um, talking with uh, somebody from the Filipino community and they were saying that there's not even a term for um, for like a, things surrounded around mental health in in our language. <laughs> so yeah, just having that, being able to name it really starts the conversation, yeah. I think I wanna add on to, to what Marquita said too, because with this, it's, it's, it's so funny how all of this kind of ties in together, right? Because then I think one thing that I would want to make sure I get out to the community is that mental health and mental health services are for you. It is available for you as well. Because with the stigma, there's always that like, oh, that's a Western, you know, mental health, going to see a therapist. That's such yeah. a Western concept. Like that's not, it's, that's not what we do you know then it goes back into our, our the culture piece of it where it's like okay well some of this cultural um, upbringing that we do have and that we know that's embedded in us says well we just keep things in a family mm -hmm. you know we're going to keep this in a family and that you know we don't go outside of our family to kind of talk about things you know so if there's anything that i would want to make sure i you know we get out to our communities and, and to our people is that it's for you. It's also for you. And it's okay to kind of like, you know, ask for these services. Um, because a lot of people that from our community that that comes my way, it's that there's always that hesitation that's there. You know, like, uh, I don't, I just, mm -hmm. I'm just wanting to ask. That's it. Like, you know, so then, you know, I, and, and also part of why I decided to kind of like, let me just, you know, not, not be under somebody anymore. Let me just go and do my own private practice thing. Because then if my people can see that, oh, okay, like there's somebody that looks like me that's mm -hmm. out there that's, you know, in this field, then, you know, I, it'd yeah. make it a little bit easier, right? So mental health services is for you, for our mm -hmm. community. You know, it's there. Like, I love what Marquita said, where it's like, Sometimes it's like, and with our language and, and, and all of these cultural barriers is there's that, that missing piece of like, okay, well, we didn't really have a name for this disorder. You know, this, 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 we, we just know what it looks like, but we don't really have that language for it. 
So now we can, you know, we can, we can know and understand it's like, okay, that's depression. Mm -hmm. That's anxiety, you know, and gosh, it's, it's, I'm so, you know, passionate about this that I, any chance I get to kind of share with our, our community, like even translate, you know, the mental health material that, that I have into, into my Samoan language, you know, I do it because this is like, I know that when I translate it into, into, in this language, then it's like, they're like, ah, okay. But depression in English does not mean really, the meanings are kind of the same if, you know what I mean? Or I mean, different if if I were to kind of like, you know, translate it. So it's just another way you got to work around it. But yeah, that was what I wanted to kind of add to that. Do you want to, um, yeah, I'll jump in here. Um, yeah, thank you for all your answers. That's really important and really important to hear that like these services are for us. And mm-hmm. like, even growing up, I didn't even think like, oh, I don't need to see therapists. Like everything in my life is cool. Like I'll just talk to like my family about it. And like, that's, that's good. But I think that's true my generation. A lot of us younger people are really starting to point towards these services and saying like, well, maybe there's some things like we can deal with um, just as our generation is trying to learn more and getting more accustomed to being, I don't want to say westernized, but <laughs> what people would say is like, oh, you're being more westernized. And I'm like, but it, it's it's beneficial in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the, the biggest subjects that I think we are trying to tackle on here. Oh, sorry, Auntie, did you want to say something? <laughs> oh, um, I just wanted to kind of um, reiterate what Sala said um, about our families, right? So one of the ways that I connect to um, our Kanaka Mali, uh clients, our Native Hawaiian clients, is, is letting them know that um, you are, whether it's your therapist, um, your Lomi practitioner or your your fellow cultural um, person that you need to see them as your pilina ohana, your your connected ohana. They're not just oh they have letters behind their name and so they're quote unquote whatever they are. You you have to change that perspective and help them understand that these people are now part of your connected ohana and part of what they're doing your pilina ohana part of what they're doing is assisting you to to be the best person and self that you can be so it's it's kind of taking our culture and presenting it to them with the the foundational um the, or the or the rocks or or um, the solid pa'a land that they need to understand that this is for our own our own health our own well-being our own um, it's the wood to the fire so that we can burn brighter if that makes sense okay that's cool dope. that's beautiful yeah you know, I kind of want to write that down yeah <laughs> Someone write that down for me. <laughs> I'm gonna write it down. <laughs> it's the wood to the fire so we can burn brighter. That's dope. It's really good. Yeah, that, that's great advice for the community. Um, so one of the reasons that we're kind of gathering together today is 
Um, one of the things that we know is in our community is postpartum depression. And a lot of our community members are wondering how to deal with that and what they should do when they're feeling that sort of depression after birth and who do they go to, things like that. And so my next question is, what are some of the signs to look out for in someone who might be suffering from postpartum depression and how can parents get the help that they need? And I will throw it out to anybody who will answer it. <laughs> I think I'll start off with um, just um, because, let me see. Okay, let me take it back to, you know, um, from the DSM, right? So the DSM-5 is, that's kind of like the manual for mental health disorders and things like that. And um, postpartum depression is, is, it's a form of major depression, right? So postpartum depression um, kind of begins within maybe four weeks after delivery, after mom delivers baby. Um, the diagnosis of postpartum depression is, is based not only on, on the length of time between the delivery and onset, but it's also, it's also the severity, right? Um, and when we're talking about, well, why is that? You know, what, what, why, why do people kind of go into this? It's, it's so, it, it's so many things. Even the research is kind of like, we don't know, you know, postpartum depression, it's kind of linked, it's linked to chemical, it's linked to social, it's linked to um, psychological changes, you know, that happens when a woman has a baby, you know? So there's a lot of changes that's going on and there's a lot of things that adjustment, not only physically, like I said, but, you know, now there's this new mom with, you know, and, and just to clarify, postpartum depression can happen with a first time mom and it can happen with a, with a veteran mom, you know? So any of these things, it, it, it just doesn't, you know, discriminate in that way. Um, but it, it could be for a variety of different reasons. Just, I think, just to keep it basic, it's, there's so many changes that's going on, you know, for, for a woman at this time, there's a lot of transitions, there's a lot of changes that's going on. Some of the symptoms that I, I'd say like, um, or signs that you could kind of easily um, recognize with postpartum depression is difficulty sleeping, changes of appetite, um, excessive fatigue, like, you know, just, and, but in addition to that, because with postpartum depression, remember it's a form of major depression. So then, you know, you, you have those added symptoms that it adds on to just to, to all of that, right? So then with, there's depressed mood, right? There's loss of pleasure, right? There's, now there's even more deeper things like I'm feeling worthless. I'm feeling hopeless. I am a horrible mom, you know? So there's that feeling of helplessness. Now, because I am just engulfed with all of these feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, now I'm having thoughts of suicide. Now I'm having thoughts of like, I, I, can't, I can't do this, right? This is postpartum depression. And it's a form of major, major depression. And like I said, the, the only difference, I think it's, it's, it's in the, it's just the severity of it. And the, line, the length between, you know, when mom gives birth and onset of it. So, yeah. 
Mm. I need to like digest that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, thank you for that. Because I I think that's something we don't think about is that it is is an offset of major depression and something we don't necessarily think about. yeah, uh, actually, maybe I'll direct the second half of this question to Marquita. What are some of the ways that parents can get help if they are experiencing postpartum depression? I think uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the live. Sometimes it's those folks outside of yourself that notice, or it could be you may not even realize it until it's to a point like Sala was mentioning where you're feeling really hopeless and worthless. And so there's a couple of different ways. You're gonna have a lot of meetings with your care provider after you give birth. So your care provider will be tuned in. They could be giving you an assessment. So there is an Edinburgh postnatal postpartum depression scale that kind of also tracks that. But if you're feeling really like, I can't get out of the bed, I'm just crying uncontrollably, I'm really sad, I'm having disturbing thoughts about harming myself or my baby, really reaching out to your care provider, whether it's your midwife, if you happen to have, so like for clients uh, at RVM, they can reach out directly to myself or to the midwife and they'll get them directly in contact with myself. There's all kinds of other resources in the community. It's really just, it's taking that courage and that step to say, I need help. I don't know what is happening and I need someone to kind of help me and like throw me a little bit of a life preserver or a life raft because I'm not sure what's going on. And so even it's those, I think it's more important to pay attention to those early warning signs of like, I just don't feel like myself Mm -hmm. and I'm not quite sure what it is. And then kind of flagging down your care provider at that point so that they can get help and get you the help that you need earlier on. Gotcha. And then what, what about if you're having a hard time talking to your care provider about these issues, where then should you go? That's a really good question because there are some times that we are not matched with care providers that look like this or that speak our same languages or that understand us or maybe our care providers have five minutes to get in and out with us. So identifying folks in your community, your partner, your um sisters, other folks who can notice that something is off and that they can step in and really help. And I think Sala can probably also provide some resources, but knowing what those resources are in your community, if you have a doula, if you have a lactation consultant, if you're getting massage or any other kind of body work, just really reaching out and those folks can get you connected with people who can help. And it doesn't always mean Um, I think also the stigma that's connected with saying that you have postpartum depression is thinking that there are extreme steps that happen next and knowing that saying that I need help doesn't always mean hospitalization or medication or any of those other things. It's really a conversation that you can have with a care provider that can, that you trust and you can listen to, to help provide you with help and resources. I love that you mentioned, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sala. Oh. I, I was gonna I was gonna just add on to um to Marquita with like finding that support I I also like you know like the men, the, men, the mentality of preventative measures right mm-hmm. so even you know throughout pregnancy you know like I'm not saying that every woman that gets pregnant is going to have major depression you know you know major depression or anxiety or 
um, have postpartum depression, but just maybe one of those days where you're just kind of kicking your feet up and let me just read about this, you know, I'm educating myself in that, right? I am, you know, maybe being proactive in um, finding out for myself, right? If, if you're somebody that is not really have your village around you or your village is, is, is kind of out of state or something, right? And you're just kind of here with you and your partner, then you and your partner being each other's accountability in that, right? Um, and, and, and your partner being able to recognize what these signs, what to look for. Um, so that, and these are all preventative, you know, not saying we're going to have it, but I mean, you know, we're just going to kind of get all this information so that if it does, we know what it looks like. And um, I love what Marquita said about it being a conversation. It doesn't have to be this big thing. It can just start out small. It's a conversation. Like, hey, I'm feeling a certain way. I'm not feeling um, like myself. And, and even before that, it's like a surrender, almost like just admitting it to yourself. That might be, a, might be one of the hardest things, I feel, for especially for parents and, and birthing parents or moms, it's like we, um, we juggle so much. Um, and we had a conversation about this before. Myra, you mentioned that um, sometimes we just don't have time or we just don't notice <laughs> that we're feeling some sort of way until we lie down or we just have a moment to rest and get that space. Um, and also like going with what you said, Sala, uh, with the partners like if so what should someone do if they notice their partner having certain symptoms or you know like their partner is it just hasn't been themselves in a significant way um what can the partner or family member do um for the person experiencing postpartum depression like how can they support them yeah, thanks, Mary. I would say for, you know, for the partner in that, in that situation is making sure you affirm your partner, making sure you let them know, like, hey, like, this is kind of normal, like, you know, all these changes that we're going through, like, you know, like, it's okay if you're tired, like, just tr trying to normalize things, right, and, and not making them feel guilty about, oh, yes, you know, you know like, not invalidate, like, do not invalidate you know, your partner, like, don't say things like, oh, you just need to get over it. You know, don't shame or guilt them into, into things, right? You know, like, if they're not, you know, taking care of baby, like how your mom took care of the babies, or you know what I mean? Like, just don't shame them in, in, in that sense, because then that just sends mom off into everything else that she's thinking about, you know, mm -hmm. and don't compare, you know, that's another thing, you know, as a partner, it's like, well, you know, when, when this happened, I remember my mom, you know, did this and my mom, well, you know, for a new mom, that's probably going to be invalidating, you know, to like, so if anything for partners out there, I'd say just, just affirm your partner, you know, in a way like you're, I think you're doing a great job. I know you're tired. I'm tired too, but you know, we got this, you know, let's work together as a team. So affirming your partner in that way, you know, would help kind of alleviate some of that maybe pressure or stress that mom is, is 
is kind of taking on for herself like because everything that he's thinking she probably already kind of ran it over in her mind herself you know like I am this 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 and this you know I don't need anybody else to kind of like tell me that you know so it's so important in that in that time that you find a way to you know be that partner that kind of uplifts and affirm affirm your partner um in that in that way and encourage her through it yeah, that's so true. Just acknowledging all they've been through, just even to give birth to the child. <laughs> it's crazy. I hear stories and I go apologize to my mom for <laughs> five years. It's crazy. Uh, Myra, you're going to share something. <laughs> thank you, Mia. Um, I First, I want to thank all you ladies for um, um, sharing your information. So I'm obviously, I'm just a skilled mother. I don't really know anything else about it other than my own experiences, but I feel like, um, just to kind of go back to your first, uh, the question about how do you notice it? Um, it took me not, I have three kids. So on my first, on my first child, I didn't even know I had postpartum depression. I kind of reflect, um, for myself individually, just throughout, just whatever I'm doing throughout the day, I reflect on how I act, how, you know, what I do. Oh, did I do that wrong? You know, so I can kind of go back and apologize or correct, you know, who I am as a person or whatever task I'm dealing with. So that's kind of how I found out, like, I realized, you know what, this is not normal, Myra. You like, you're just, um, you're barking instead of talking to someone, you know, I'm reacting like, I'm reacting faster than normal past irritation. Um, so I'm, that's, it's not normal. It's not a normal um, feeling. I'm feeling it at an extreme. And that's how I kind of realized like, oh, okay, you're being a little bit extreme. You know, you're taking it to another level. Um, but that, so that's how I noticed that. And I feel like just even as an individual in a working setting. So I don't know if it's the same for every culture, but you know, pregnancies come in three. So if you work in a building, somebody else is going to be pregnant with you. Right. <laughs> and you kind of, and if you gave birth first or middle, you kind of realize like, Oh man, girl, you okay. You know, you, you know, you look at your girlfriend's eyes and you're like, Hey, you okay. You, you kind of know, you see the signs that they're biting you, they're biting and they're just, they don't want to talk about it, but you know that something's going on because you yourself just experienced it. But I feel like um, the things that make me notice it, it notice um, when other women are also feeling depressed are being antsy. Um, you know, it's kind of like a level of OCD. You're, you have, you're running your task a million miles kind of like how you're tasking at home for your kids do I got mm -hmm. the clothes fixed and that's just like another I feel like maybe it's being controlling but I feel like that's another another like that's just another indicator for myself you know like oh okay calm yourself down just breathe it's your OCD it's your just you're you're going through depression like I know I'm going through a phase and I just need to breathe I'm feeling overwhelmed and I want to handle it all at one time but I can't Mm -hmm. um, and I noticed that with my other, um, you know, girlfriends or friends that are going through, we um, having just given birth and stuff like that. Um, so in light of that, what I found for myself to kind of um, help me ease, um, ease what I'm feeling is, I think I'm, I'm, I love hugs. So I feel like you know, I, that emotional touch, like I just, sometimes it's not even that you need to talk to me. 
give me a hug and it like just relieves all the stress that I'm feeling like from the top of my brain all the way to the my back you know like my yeah. whole spirit and just an emotional touch is like just that's just if you just reached out to me and gave me a hug I would have been fine like that would have just like next two days I'm I'm solid I'm good <laughs> um uh but you know just trying to for me trying to find somebody to talk to it's not necessarily taboo uh, it is taboo but not I'm at that point in my life where I have three kids so it's more finding time to actually manage the three kids I'm single I'm a single mother so manage my time with my kids and actually have to I have to like mentally clock myself out for like a 15 minute break I call it mommy time mm -hmm. and the kids know <laughs> I'm like no I need mommy time um, but I think that's my nurse actually told me about the mommy time and I found it very um, very refreshing like you know what really I I need to let these kids know like I need mommy time because mommy doesn't want to lose it mommy yeah. doesn't want to be overwhelmed or feel like I can't breathe on top of the 10 tasks that I have in my head um, and I <laughs> um, but I think so that's what I wanted to share in regards to uh, those questions that you, you had asked yeah, thank you. That's so important. And it's really refreshing, I think, especially for a lot of other moms who might be tuning in to hear someone who has gone through it and yeah. has learned what works for you in those situations. And also your baby's screams are the best. <laughs> She's got a good pair of lungs. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that you mentioned like mommy time, because I think that's something that as mothers or as parents, um, especially single parents, um, we don't allow ourselves that. And you know what, not even just single parents, just parents across the board. <laughs> we don't allow ourselves that time, I think. And I love that you do that. And I think that should be normalized too. Like, you know, I need a break. Just let me, let me relax and breathe and everyone will be happy <laughs> after that. So yeah, that's a good, um, um, I, yeah, I had a question that came in from the Facebook that asked, um, we've learned that lots of moms felt isolated and alone um, during postpartum. Um, what are some of the advice, what's some advice you would offer them? And honestly, I, I might want to start with Myra on that one and then we'll just go around. Yeah. Um, thank you, actually. So... I just thought about the things that I actually like to do besides cooking for my self-care, um, a book, a lot of, I know there's a lot of funny memes out there on Facebook about a mom locking herself in the bathroom, right? Um, while the kids are knocking. And I, so I always read and it's kind of hard to read, but I really have to say, if you put that book in the bathroom, when you need a shishi, when you need to anything and your mommy time, like that book, that 10 minutes, just that 10 or five minutes of reading, maybe two paragraphs, three or a whole chapter. Um, I think that that's the greatest. I've I kind of, um, I just transitioned to a new apartment and I have a book in the bathroom because honestly, just that five minutes to wind down <laughs> helps me out. Um, but I, that is my distressor. So if I'm not cooking, 
the kids can't be in the kitchen because I just feel like it's dangerous. I might turn around with the knife and not know that they're there because they're running around. Mm -hmm. But I find that having that book, I mean, even if it's on the couch, um, you know, anywhere, uh, finding something to read is just kind of um, easing and it releases a lot in my mind. So that will be my Corona <laughs> go-to. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice, finding something that you love to do and locking yourself in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Anybody else want to jump in, offer some advice? Um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> it, it was... As for, for moms who feel isolated and alone, what's some advice you would give to them? Mm -hmm. I think in the times of COVID, it's really difficult. And uh, I'm finding this a lot and with our clients at RVM that a lot of the things that we would typically say for self-care or to help when you're feeling isolated are not available currently. And so um, what I've been recommending to a lot of our clients is trying to find virtual support groups and finding folks that, um, you know, that you vibe with or that like share your similar interests or your background or your community. And then from there kind of identifying folks that you can add into your own like virtual village or even like in socially distanced ways, finding ways to be able to create community and relying on your community and your village to step in uh, when you're feeling like you're overwhelmed and, um, it's harder to do that. And I recognize that it's harder in the times of COVID to really figure out how to foster those connections, but you just might have to get a little bit creative to try to figure out how to reduce the isolation. And that's been the way, the one way that our, a lot of our clients have found is having that virtual connection either with their therapist or with um, other clients that are also going through the postpartum period. And so um, that can be really helpful as well. And I guess that leads to our next question. Um, what are some of the mental health resources that we can lean on as a community? Um, or even like, I think maybe the most basic question, like how do you get into therapy or, you know, how do you access those cultural resources that we don't necessarily think about? Yes, how do we get into therapy? <laughs> um, I think um, uh, there's, there's so many different um, ways you can go about this because sometimes maybe some of the people that uh, you serve, some of our community members that you serve, um, you're noticing that they're needing to kind of you know, get some mental health services. Um, and then if they, if this is something that you're able to kind of start the conversation with them on, of course, they're probably a little bit more open to do that because it's somebody they know. And then connecting them with people like me, like, you know, I have my own private practice where, you know, everybody has my, um, my email address, my, my website and things like that, but not only just for, for myself, but I want to uh, point out a multiculturalcounselors.org. Um, this is a website that is based here in Washington, and it's any therapist of color that you can, you know, think of is listed on there. It's kind of like a psychology today for mental health therapists, 
but it is for people of color therapists, right? So you're able to kind of direct your clients there. Or if you are, if you're watching this live and, and you've been wanting to kind of get into, you know, mental health services with maybe a, a therapist that has, um, you know, Filipino background or something like that, you can go to multiculturalcounselors.org and be able to filter it down to ethnicity. And you're able to kind of, you know, connect with, you know, a therapist that's there with, with, you know, similar background, whatever it is, you know, whether it's religious, same religious background that you're looking for, that kind of stuff, right? So there's, like I said, multiculturalcounselors.org. It's all about connecting directly with most of the therapists on there have their own private practice, but there's also community mental health organization resources that are, I would, I would want to say there's, they're kind of spread out, you know, throughout our areas. Um, I know that there is Greater Lakes, um, that's, I think, around the Tacoma area, which is a community mental health um, uh, organization. I think it's nonprofit, I'm not sure. But it's a matter of, here's the, you know, contact information, here's their phone call, client calls, and they take it from there. They do the intake, they take the information, connect that person with a therapist. There's also Seattle YMCA. Seattle YMCA is not just, you know, our gym. I'm also a therapist at Seattle YMCA, you know, so our community member that maybe want to utilize their, their, their um, insurance, you know, can call the Seattle YMCA and say, hey, I need mental health services. I have this insurance, this insurance, and then they'll connect you with mental health providers and set you up your appointment and things like that. I think in the Kent area, there's uh, Kent Youth and Family Services. So these are all community mental health services. And a lot of, a lot, I think a lot of our community members are not, they're not aware, they're not familiar of all of these different organizations that they are able to seek mental health services. And, and it's, it's, it's one of those where it, it's, it's affordable, you know, because I think a lot of the, 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 the knowledge out there is, Oh, it's not for me because it's it's too expensive. It is too, you know, it's this, I can't. But these community mental health organizations are able to kind of, you know, see people or get, bring clients in or from our community at using utilizing their insurance, whatever insurance that they do have, you know? So um, that's those are some of the resources that I can think of um, as far as, you know, uh, finding mental health services. I'm also more than happy to connect and help our community people that would, if they reach out to me, I'm happy to talk to them and explain to them, like maybe what the process looks like, you know, cause it can be scary. It's kind of foreign to us, you know, we're not people that go out and, you know, it's like, so I'm happy to kind of talk with people and explain to them what that process looks like so that it doesn't seem as scary. And I've had people kind of do that already from our community. So, yeah. That's awesome. I actually didn't know the why I had mental health services so yeah. great um hey mia yeah can i add um something on to that Absolutely. Uh, uh, thank you sala for sharing um all of all of those services and where we can um where we can seek those help the help right um you know you know if you, if you kind of if you guys kind of rem i i so i so i really appreciate that this is on facebook live um you know, with the new generation, right? Everything's kind of live. 
um, people interact live and what have you. So I just wanted to shed to light um, other ways that people could possibly, if the organization or your services will continue to do this. Um, so the live that we have, you know, it gives people the opportunity to watch us and um, listen to what we have to say, um, tell people about the services. But it's kind of like being in high school, right? You're in a group um, you're in a group setting and you're scared because you don't want to say nothing because you don't want to say that you're that person that has that problem, right? But you're listening and, and while you're listening, you're like, yeah, yo, that was my question. I, I had that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So you're not, you know, you're, you're remembering what the answer was or what have you. Um, and it kind of gives you more, um, more, um, I don't know the word balls to now get up, stand up and ask your question, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel, bless you, my baby, bless you. So I feel like these, um, you know, this live, like this right now and being able to broadcast it to people, um, doesn't matter who, right? Um, but just women in general or people with mental health, okay, okay, okay. Uh, with mental health problems, I feel like if they read it, they see it on live, they can they can listen, go back to it, and they can ask questions. But I really love the fact that, that you're doing this uh, live via Facebook, and we can tag people on it, and they can watch it and kind of hear and even just add their comments that way secretly, privately, in a sense, right? Without having a face, but you have a name, you have your name showing, but it's kind of nice to have that, that kind of... <laughs> Uh, animosity, uh, not animosity, but just, just not a face to it. <laughs> Sorry. Anonymity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also just wanted to add a couple of other resources. So um, Perinatal Support Washington is one specifically for um, clients who are in that perinatal period. And that goes from um, pregnancy through typically like the first year. And I know that they have ex recently expanded their program. They're one of our partners that we refer clients out to. Um, a little plug for Rainier Valley Midwives is that our uh, social work and therapy is included in our birth bundle. And so all of our clients currently, um, as we're building our program, will meet with myself or at some point another social work intern where we'll do a full assessment and then just kind of have those feelers up. And then they also have access to four to six weeks of kind of uh, coping skills and therapy skills throughout and then we can also have the ability to refer them out and then also just another plug that if there are folks in the community who are prior service who are also uh, uh, pregnant or parenting that the VA does have access for uh, women veterans. And so it's something that you don't think about that it's like, oh, I just go there for this, but they also do have therapy and counselors and also prenatal care in the event that you're having a difficult time finding someone and if um, insurance or other things are a barrier, so. I know with, um, Marquita, you were saying like, community, there's finding groups. I know um, Families of Color Seattle, um, Fox, they have um, virtual uh, meetups and virtual parenting groups. They have actually a lot of resources. I think they have um, uh, quite a few things available going out throughout the week. So that's another great resource to look up. That's true. Auntie Kelly, I know that you do a lot of healing practices. So could you tell us maybe about those and how they can help with some of our mental health 
especially for our communities who like those healing practices and that cultural aspect is very important. Yeah. So it's very important. I would I would highly um, support a lot of what have, has already been said, especially with Marquita said about reaching out virtually. Um, and even if that means starting your own community, um, reaching out within your own community being, hey, let's have a standing virtual date. You know, it's like, what if we got together I don't know, Thursday night at 6 p.m., whether it's just for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, but it gives you the time to check in with, with your hui, right? Your crew, your um, hualoha, your family, your friends. And even if it's just to just say, hey, how are you? How are the kids? What are you making for dinner? Um, you know, the, the, the little things that we as moms think about, oh my God, what am I going to make for dinner? You know, it's, it's those tiny things that make all the difference because you're like, oh my God, that's so easy. I have hamburger and beans in the, in the ice, you know, it's ready to go. Why didn't I think of that? But it's those tiny things that, that continue to foster um, and strengthen those connections of, of family, of, you know, Pilino Ohana, because I know for myself, um, like Myra said, food anchors our cultures, right? And surrounding around food is the celebration of each of us being together. And being able to do that virtually, especially in this, in this you know, global pandemic that we're in, that is an valuable way to, to really connect and um, really hone in on, on um, your spiritual health, your mental health and your emotional health. Um, I would highly recommend um, buying a, or grabbing one of your kids composition books and, and just starting a journal. Um, because right now mm -hmm. all of our kids are at home. They're all on online school. And I'm sure you did what I did and went out and bought 20 composition books and <laughs> for 89 cents each, right? Grab one of those and just spend a few moments in the morning, at night, just writing whatever you're going through. Whether it's a gratitude list of, of five, five things that you're thankful for, or, oh my gosh, I mean, we're here, we're being real, we're all adults, I mean, in my journal, sometimes I'd be like, oh my gosh, my teenage daughter just drove me nuts, right? It gives you that avenue to just write mm -hmm. it all out yeah. and be like, okay, nice big deep breath. Mom is good. Yeah. Now, what am I making for dinner? You know, <laughs> it's, it's just grab one of those and just write it down. Even if it means you locking yourself in the bathroom, which is whoo, stellar time, right? It's like, Oh, peace. <laughs> and just writing a few sentences just to help center yourself within, mm -hmm. within you. Um, and I think that's super, super important, especially during this time of, of COVID. Um, and I think it's important that, that we, we remember to just 
take that time for ourselves. I mean, so many of us don't. Um, one of the, the things that um, I learned over the years um, is in Olelo no Eau or Hawaiian Proverbs. It's um, number 275. But it's ehanai ava a ikaika kamakani. And that means to feed with kava so that the spirit may gain strength. And in this, in this um, time, um, I tell a lot of my clients that the kava doesn't actually have to be the ava that you drink. The kava can be that that special time of reading your book, of, of journaling, of the time that you spend virtually with your with your ohana calling your mom calling your dad connecting with your sister your best friend mm -hmm. whatever it is that is kava for you allow it to feed your spirit so that your spirit gains that strength that you need and i guess the main thing that i have to say is um and myra will totally get this right because we say this all the time at home no scare them go get them because if you don't do it for yourself, right, and you don't step forward and you don't ask for that help, none of us will know that you need mm -hmm. it, right? You have to take that step. And I think that's the most courageous and the deepest self-care that you can do for yourself is to reach out, whether it's to email Marquita, Sala, Mia, Myra, Mary, myself, and just say, hey, I need Kokua, I need help. That's, that's something courageous and that you can do for yourself. And that's, that's living aloha for you, mm -hmm. right? Because then your ohana, your community has the opportunity to uplift you and, you know, be that wood that you need. <laughs> okay, I stepped in off my box. <laughs> I love that. Those are all great. Um, I, I, I feel like we hit everything. Um, well, since the winter months are coming and in Washington state or in our part of Washington state, um, it gets gray and gloomy. Uh, and then, you know, with our guidelines that have just come, come in the, in the past week, uh, we're staying in again. What are some things we can do to cope with uh, the winter changes and the um, the seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression? Um, I almost want to say everything that Myra, yeah, <laughs> Mark, everything that they uh, even Auntie. I mean, that was just like all of this, but. It, when it comes with depression, when it comes to depression, right, whether it's major depression, depressive disorder, or just depression or postpartum depression, you get into a state where you just don't want to do anything. And no matter how amazing, you know, the suggestions, the advice, everything that's there, um, you are just kind of in a space where even though we say, man, reach out to your village, reach out mm -hmm. to your community. But when you're in that depressive state, you're going to feel like you don't want to reach out to anybody, mm -hmm. right? And it's that moment, it is that moment that is so, it's, this is where it's like, 
if you don't reach out, it's like everything, it would probably even feel like everything in you don't want to do these things that everybody is suggesting, but you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to like, you just got to push through it. And I think research even shows like one of the, one of the most basic ways that, that can help with depression is exercise. Right. But it's like, if you think about it, when it comes to depression, the last thing anybody wants to do is exercise. I don't want to go for a walk, you know, <laughs> But so even if, even when we don't feel like doing those things, it's so important that like, I'm just going to do it. I'm mm-hmm. just going to go and go walk. I'm just going to get out. I'm going to put some music on and I'm just going to go walk. That's, you know, simple like, like that. Right. And I know that everything, everything in you is going to, is going to, going to fight you on that. It's going to say, I don't, I don't want to walk. I don't want, nope. I'm just, nope. I don't want to do this. So it, it's so important because it's, it's, this is what either kind of like really keeps it in that state or it's kind of like having to really push through through that and it's it's you know what is there and I always I I would I would always kind of like default to whatever your values are whatever you know whatever the things that adds value to you whatever things that adds to your bucket you know whatever things that like makes you happy to kind of like, you know, or grounds you to hold on to those things. Cause I think it becomes important. And when it comes to that fight of, I don't want to get up and go exercise. Um, I just kind of want to like be, be in this state and okay. Even though I don't want to get up and go exercise, but I'm going to do this for my family. You know, I'm going to do this and see, see how I feel, you know, let me just push this. You know, I'm and and just go out there and and really kind of <sighs> depression is hard. It's that state where it really it, it really is hard and difficult to to be in that in that mindset that that mentality of like it's everything within you is is like I ain't gonna walk nowhere, okay. But then why is research saying that it's like it is helpful? It, it'll help you if you just you know, go out there and, and, you know, take a walk, five minute walk and come back. But yeah, maybe, maybe um, someone else can kind of like um, share on, on that as well. Um, but yeah. It's too cold to go walking. <laughs> and I know, <laughs> you know, I think so <laughs> we all know it's too cold to go walking I and mean, we can layer up, but we don't like to layer up. We maybe wear a hoodie. Oh. Oh. and some shorts and you know socks and sandals slippers yeah we, yeah, yeah i know yeah like no <laughs> <laughs> my mom's gonna have me out of my e-lava lava like talking i know <laughs> seriously <laughs> my son's like what are you wearing um so i think you know i think one thing since moving out here to washington right and this is for all of us on the panel um i don't think we realize that we're lacking vitamin D. So on top of lacking vitamin D coming from the islands, having the sun on you, you know, mm-hmm. 24 seven, right? We don't realize, it took me a while to realize this. And this was before even having kids at all. Um, my doctor told me, you know, why you're feeling this way is because you and me were, you know, our skin tone requires that sun and you need to go and purchase these lights, the special lights that they make for the house that will mm-hmm. give you the Done, that'll give you that motivation that you didn't realize 
you didn't realize that you were lacking because we were lacking that vitamin D. So I think informing to our, our people that, and not just our people, everyone, you need vitamin D. Like you don't realize when you go to Hawaii, you go to Guam, you go anywhere in the, with the sun and you're like, hey, I fresh, you know, you're like, you just rejuvenate. You didn't even realize what's wrong. Yeah. So really let's do some um, ladies, you know, uh, ladies and men, uh, vitamins, right? Find something to supplement that because we're not going to be motivated to go walking in this cold weather right now. Um, I, but, um, and in that coming from the island, what I've uh, taught myself or kind of keep telling myself, right, Myra, you know, you need to take the kids, take them outside because I know it's not, it's not home. You don't got the sun. You got cold rain, not warm rain. You go play outside in the rain. So, don't be scared of the rain. You moved out here to not be scared, right? We didn't, we don't have them back home. You have them here, make use of it. So I try to tell myself in this depressive um, state of mind and state, not that it is depressing, it's not. We just have to learn to um, adjust to the cold weather. So mm -hmm. I try to take my kids out and just make sure that they're more, um, more equipped for the cold weather and push myself to get up and go walking, even <laughs> go to Target, <laughs> go walking at Target. There you go, Myra. Right. Uh, you know, that, that could be, it might not be outside, but you're walking. Um, and I just wanted to say something else too about the tap, the, you know, being taboo talking, being able to talk story, right. About your problems. Um, our elders make it taboo, but we didn't, we should realize as um, this new generation that it is more taboo to hold it in and break our spirit than let it out, mm. right? So we need to feed our spirit and also release what negative energy we have in us or that we're holding. So it's more taboo to hold it in, don't hold it in. Um, by all means, I meant you can reach me on Facebook as well. Um, I, I will listen. I'll give you a hug, a virtual hug and what have you, but yeah, let it out. Um, I'm, I'm not a it's professional, okay. but I'm here to listen. I think you're a professional because you lived it. That mm -hmm. makes you professional. <laughs> I'm, I had my kids back to back, so I feel like I'm still learning, you know, what the other two did, this third one is not doing. So it's still very brand new to me. Um, for the most part, every day is kind of new and it's not, it's definitely not the same, <laughs> but thank you, Mia. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, actually, there was one question that came in through Facebook and it's specifically the Marquita. Um, some people in our community are scared of social workers. Could you kind of tell us some of the roles that you play as a social worker with the Rainier Valley midwives? Yes, I actually want to acknowledge that because it comes into the room. It's always the elephant that comes along with the social work term. And I have to acknowledge the profession that I'm a part of and the harms that it has done to folks of color for generations and the destruction of families that it has contributed to. And my role as a social worker is to try and dismantle that and to reduce the harm and do um, the least amount of harm to my community and to folks of color as possible. And so we are building our program at Rainier Valley from the ground up and we're figuring out what are the needs of our community. And I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest things I think Sala has mentioned it um, is really having a, 
a care provider who looks like you that starts so much of that healing and being it like it's it takes away all of those isms like the microaggressions and all of the other things when you say something in your native tongue and then someone's like wait what does that mean and you have to stop what you're processing to then explain to someone a lot of that healing can start. And so what I do through RVM is a lot of one-on-one -on -one interactions, conversations, also known as therapy. Um, I'm not in the, the business of trying to fix folks. We're just working and then building skills so that they have a toolbox to take along with them in life. I also provide resources. So folks come in from all different types of situations and so my goal is to meet them where they are and to help provide them with resources in the space that they're in um, at the moment but it is difficult we are constantly having conversations at rvm about the different ways that social work interacts and i'm really also like for example folks who are at the intersections of being of color and having disabilities and other ways and then interacting with our hospital systems and how that looks for folks when it comes to social work so i'm always trying to educate our clients what social work might look like outside um, and realizing that there is a lot of harm that's been done in the social work community, but there are some social workers who are trying to actively dismantle those systems and really try to build them from the ground up so that we can do what social work should have been created to do, which was to help heal and provide resources and really be members in our community for community building, so. Yeah, that's great to hear because I, I think when we hear the word social worker, we think, oh, like it's the, the child protective services social worker that comes to your house to, you know, take your kids or, you know, not to help. So it's, it's really great to hear that there's social workers out there who are starting to work towards building our communities back up to where they should be. That's really great. Um, Mary, do you have any other questions? <laughs> Um, I, I think we covered a lot of it. Um, so, <laughs> um, just going back, like getting your body moving to help alleviate some of that stress. And then if you can't, if it's too cold to go out, just, just getting your body moving, right? Like just maybe doing some laps in your <laughs> living room or dancing, um, some jumping jacks. I recommend just dance. Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> on the highest level possible. <laughs> You'll be flailing around and yeah, my siblings make fun of me. <laughs> All right, um, so I guess before we jump off, if there's any last pieces of advice or anything else you would like to share, let's go for it. I would like to share very quickly. Um, Kukalau Lama, many torches stand. So if you have, or you know someone who just had a baby or is suffering from depression, I would like to challenge all of you to reach out. Reach out, whether it's through a text and say, hey, how are you doing? Can I, can I be your sounding board? What do you need help with? I challenge you to reach out to, 
to a friend that you haven't heard from for a long time, because during this time of a pandemic, many of us are, are struggling with our mental health. And maybe mm -hmm. all they do need is just to see a text that says, hey, we see you. I know you're here. How can I be a friend to you? How can I support you? How can I aloha you? We need to be able to reach out to our connections in whatever way that is and support them and not just leave it to, you know, myself or to, to the person who is, who is suffering from whether it's postpartum depression, depression, or any other mental health um, situation. I challenge you to reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out to those that, that need help, whether it's, it's you have a feeling one day and you, you think of them, grab your phone, text them, or call them, because there's a reason why they're crossing your mind. Take that opportunity to listen to your kupuna and your ancestors, and if they send you that feeling of, oh, you know, Mary needs me to, to Mary needs me, I don't know what's happening, but Mary needs me. All right, Mary, here comes my text. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's something that simple that could make a huge difference in that person's life. Um, but yeah, you know, be aloha, live aloha. Yeah. Woo -woo. <laughs> I love your advice. <laughs> I got to figure out who I'm texting. <laughs> All right. Who would like to go next? Um, I can go next. So to echo what Auntie was saying, I would also challenge care providers to break down the stigma by having these conversations with your clients, your patients, um, especially as they're pregnant. And my other challenge would be for um, in my in our practice, we also I see clients prenatally. So also knowing that these things can show up um, prenatal stress and anxiety and depression is also a thing. So reaching out and really asking for that support so that you can be prepared for postpartum and then care providers not being afraid to have these conversations and really say and really name it that this is what it may look like and I think it was Myra that was saying it just like knowing those things so that you're prepared um, ahead of time and like reading up on it and I'm that's for you know midwives doctors doulas uh, lactation so that all of these points of contact to this pregnant and birthing person can be letting them know the warning signs so that they're not getting to the point of like, I'm feeling completely worthless and I'm so full of despair so that we, as their community and their village can catch these things before they escalate to a level to provide them with support. Um, and I would just kind of add, you know, all of our cultures, the not doesn't matter where along the Pacific, you know, line that, uh, you know, your island falls on, but within all of our cultures, like one of the common things is community, you know, so, it, and it's big on community, you know, um, so understanding that, you know, that there are people, there are providers that, that are out there in the community that is there for you. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's no need for anybody to kind of go through whatever it is that they're going through alone and by themselves. Um, there's always help. There's always hope. Whatever it is that you're going through, there's always hope for you. 
you know, um, and there are people out there that are going to be, you know, kind of holding that torch, like, hey, it's this way, this way, you know, kind of like rooting you on and just waiting for you on that other side and is there to even walk alongside you. So these provide providers um, in whatever, you know, community services that are out there, there are providers out there that are for you, for our community, even mental health. Mental health is for you. It's for us. It's for me. I see a therapist myself, you know, so it's, it's for everybody, you know, so um, I, I hope and I pray that you know, everybody that's watching or listening takes advantages of these services. I know I am going to be looking up anti because I, I need some like lomi lomi. Okay, because yes. <laughs> so um, reach out, you know, there's no need to kind of go through what you're going through alone and by yourself. Um, I know we thrive in community. Um, and that's where that's kind of where I'll, I'll end up. So yes, thank you. Thank you guys for the opportunity as well. Well, I'd like to, um, going back to what Myra said earlier about the hugs and, you know, just making just the feeling that you get from that. Um, my background as a lactation counselor, I know that, um, and with postpartum depression, if you, when you breastfeed, there's oxytocin that's released between you and your baby. And that's the love hormone. And, and, you know, you have all these good feelings and happy feelings and you're there bonding with your baby. Um, so um, I would encourage <laughs> uh, nursing if you can, and then get those good, good, um, good vibes going like a hug. Um, yeah, I would encourage that. And also, um, what do you all think about, like, I know some people when they're going through something, they give themselves like a time period, like, all right, I'm gonna give myself like a day or a few hours and I'm gonna just find a way to, to overcome it or not overcome it, but you know, like just get through it like minute by minute. I would, um, that has helped me um, just giving myself some time to like, all right, I'm going to sulk for like an hour. And then, and then after that, I'm just going to get through it. And then, uh, sometimes I have a mantra, like just for today or just for right now, I'm gonna, I'm going to think this way, or I'm going to, you know, insert whatever positive affirmation <laughs> you, uh, uh, works for you. So that's, that's one of the things that I do. And I think, Myra, did you want to share something? Oh, I was just going to thank everybody um, for giving me the opportunity to talk and then for sharing your information and your love. Um, that sound, your hour um, time, Mary, kind of sounds like my uh, mommy time. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate uh, having this having this community that we have right here. And I, I appreciate um, everyone sharing their, um, just everything, your, your time, your information, your brain. Um, I appreciate it being a mommy going through what I go through individually um, as a working mom and as a mother. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. 
Um, so I honestly don't have any amazing advice like everybody else, but I would like to thank our amazing panelists for coming on and being a torch for our community <laughs> while we're on the fire thing. <laughs> now I kind of want to find bonfire. <laughs> um, yeah, that thank you for coming out. But yeah, no, go for it, Myra. <laughs> You did give good advice. That dance, just dance uh, really works. <laughs> I just For got sure. it for my kids. So that's probably one of our other things that I do with them. I do just dance. Yeah. <laughs> like the hardest mode possible. No, <laughs> you know, it's just yoga. It's, it's, it's Zumba for the most part. I'm good. <laughs> Thank you for that just dance advice though. <laughs> Of course. But seriously, thank you all for joining us. And thanks for everybody who tuned in. This was really great. Oh, thanks, Mary, for co-hosting. Oh, thank <laughs> really you. We broke you into this. <laughs> no, this is great. I love this. I love this community and this discussion. And it's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I think we're going to go ahead and close out. But thanks. And everybody have a great Mahalo. week. <laughs> Mahalo. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you.